0: Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider, and today I'm gonna be recapping the Thunder's back-to-back set they played on Tuesday and Wednesday. Just some main takeaways, some new faces, and some new emergences on the roster. So go through all of that, and then to top it all off. Like always, guys, I'm going to be doing a special offer from a good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So you do not want to miss out on that. But, guys, leading into Tuesday's game against the Sacramento Kings, you had a lot of members on the COVID protocol list six to be exact. Main ones being Josh Giddy and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Others were Darius Baisley, Alexei Pokushevsky. And you had a couple others that were also tacked onto the board. So they needed to find replacement players. And in the last pod, I mentioned it, going to mention it again. Going into this one, they had three new pieces of artillery. They had Rob Edwards, Olivier Sar, and they also had Scotty Hobson for the game. There was a report that Xavier Simpson was getting a contract that has not happened yet. So we'll see if anything materializes As of right now, though, it looks like those three um, are those pieces. There's another one, too, but he was not available for this game. So they suit up get three members back, but they're still down three, technically due to uh, six guys being out of it. But they have SGA, and they have Mike Wilkes as the head coach too because Mark Dagnall is gone, and then the man a step below him was also gone. So Mike Wilkes got to be the coach. He actually played for the Thunder a couple games back in 09-10, I believe it was. So first time in franchise history you got to see an occasion like that. And you go into the game, And you just run it through your stars. SGA and Ludort cook up the team's first 12 points. Look like they're in contention. uh, But then they started to dry up in the first. And then Sacramento really just started taking it away. They went on a 17-5 mid-quarter run. Able to get up double digits at some segments here. And then they just were holding out hope for something. And the second unit for the Thunder actually managed... To do that, had a 15 to 5 closing run for the Thunder. Gabriel Deck was actually kind of the main player you saw in the first quarter for the OKC Thunder because you know you have not seen the man for seems like two months now. Only time he's gotten more than 20 minutes was in the 73 point blowouts. So he was able to get in for the final four minutes of the frame, ended up making a driving layup, and then he hit a corner three at the buzzer. To make it just a two-point game going into the second quarter but more importantly the thunder were up to after it seemed like they really just ran out of their magic so you go into the second hoping to kind of continue did not manage to do that though sacramento was able to get a really big run kind of held the quarter most of the time they were up nine in the final two minutes luckily the thunder shaved it down with a five-o stretch but okc was down by four going into halftime the main thing sacramento was hitting their threes okc was hitting their threes really everybody just had the same exact shot chart and it all rested around that perimeter so as the thunder were looking to kind of continue this heat wave going into the second half it got completely stalled up they had 12 consecutive misses to begin the frame. It took them five minutes to really get points. And in that time, the Kings were able to drop 12 straight. Put them up 16 points, and they were riding a hide horse. Going into the fourth, Thunder had a late push just like they did in the seconds, and just like they did in the first, actually, with a 14-5 cap on it. But they were still down 6, 87-81. to However, despite that... They were still in the game when, quite frankly, it looked like they should have been out of it. You you missed 12 shots in a row, and they only managed to get 12 points out of that. Oh boy, you're coming out of that really, really well. And then to kind of come back late and make yourself known was big time, because it seemed like it would have been a 20-point outing or just blowout going into the fourth quarter, but it was not. Um, however, just like the third, when the quarter started it just started falling apart for the thunder three straight turnovers and five consecutive misses pitted them down 14 at the six minute mark and there was nothing that they could do the only thing they could do was just charge into the king's players hold out hope for foul calls and get up to the line and it somehow worked Just point by point, the Thunder started to shave the Kings lead down in the final two minutes. You're talking single digit ball game going down to seven points, getting clutch stops to open opportunities for yourself. They were just bashing them on the interior. And, you know, for the most part, a lot of the foul calls happen to be foul calls. It was just about the slowest fourth quarter that I've watched, though. There was calls probably every 10, 15 seconds. Uh, In some cases, here. Obviously, exaggeration a little bit, sure, but the pace was just wrecked because everyone was just going to the charity stripe. The main one was SGA. He had 12 free throw attempts in the fourth quarter. OKC finished with 19 in that frame, and it got him in the driver's seat. They were just never able to blow. By the Kings, though seven points was as low as they could get the margin, but they ended up finishing this game down 117 to 111. So technically, they did chip it just a little bit more. Uh, was not meant to be though. So as a result of that, they moved down to 12 and 21. Really good first effort for Mike wilkes as the standing head coach. Did a really nice job with SGA and Lou Dort, just kind of giving them the spotlights. But a lot of the credit just has to go towards SGA and I'll go into that in a second here but the main fault in the Thunders game Tuesday night came at the three I mentioned it that they could not miss 10 of 22 from distance is insane they just went one of 10 in the second half from three though so they completely chopped that part of their game away and you know it did work out technically because they did have that fourth quarter uh, run where they did give the Kings kind of that run for their money, but you gotta have all three levels to defeat teams when you're coming back from behind. It was never truly there, but you really can't sulk in it too bad because the free throw game was just ridiculous. They ended up finishing the night with a season high 36 free throws, went 30 of 36 from there as well. And SGA dropped a career high at the charity stripe. He was not a good player from the floor in this game majority of the time this was the worst game we've seen from him all season his shot chart finished at 9 and 24 but he was looking at like 5 and 20 at some moments in the second half so he was able to get it back now the 9 of 24 plate is not great the 1 of 5 clip from distance was bad at best so we just had to find another avenue and thank goodness He could bump inside and get those whistles to go down. Finished, like I said, with 12 of his 17 uh, shots from the stripe coming in the fourth quarter, but it was able to get him 14 points off of it and boost him to 33 points on the night. Had five rebounds and five assists to go along with it. Truthfully, it looked like SGA was going to finish with maybe 22 to 24 points, but because of the kick he found at the basket, he was able to make it a contest at the very end, so it wasn't the worst game for him. Jeff Lee could have done better, though, from the floor. If he would have been able to figure it out, even on paint shots, because the paint shots weren't uh, weren't falling that well either, this would have been a 40-piece from him, and it could have turned into a Thunder victory. It's all right, though. You just can't kind of move on from that. Uh, and then you have Lou Dort, too, who is sort of in the same boat as SGA, where... You know, he started out the game excellent. He had 8 of the team's first 12 points, and then he just flopped. He shot 5 of 15 in this game, 2 of 6 from deep, but he got to the line 7 times, hit all 7, and when you look at the end stat sheet here, looks like Dort had a very good game. 19 points and 8 rebounds uh, were attached to his name. I think the most efficient player, though, had to be two-way guard Aaron wiggins he plays 26 minutes in the starting units drops 14 points and five rebounds three of those boards came offensively and one of those came off of a put back slam no one was boxing out so he just sliced in from the left wing he has a sneaky good vertical too so he soared up caught it with both hands and just cocked it back slammed it home big energizer for the thunder at that moment But also just like the consistency that you saw from him in this game, five of eight from the floor, one of two from distance, three of four from inside, you could depend on him just about anywhere. Sort of the Kenrich Williams of this game, because Kenrich Williams wasn't making many shots. He shot three of nine uh, in the contest. And then for other starters like Isaiah Roby, just three of seven and Paul Watson Jr., who kind of surprisingly got the call up to the starting units shot two of five after missing 17 days, not for any particular reason, just was not activated for any contest, so that kind of moves you to the next game, but it also gave you a new storyline, because Wiggins looked great without Baze and without Poku, but also Olivier Saar, a 10-day contract, literally less than 24 hours before he stepped on the court, he was... With the Oklahoma City Blue. He had not inked a contract. Jumps into the situation in Sacramento. And you had everybody on social media. Just clamoring for him to take the two-way spot from Paul Watson. He played 12 minutes. In that time he had 4 points. 5 rebounds. And 2 blocks. First career points came at the charity stripe for Sar. It came off of a really nice pick and roll though. He was just kind of hidden under the basket. Gabrielle Deck was able to find him. The dunk almost came with a poster, but took the contact, missed the dunk, hit both of his shots at the stripe, and then another dime from Gabrielle Deck and caught him at the right block. Just a little push shot, nothing but nets. He looked very good in this game. And then the two blocks were kind of the highlight moments uh, that I would say. Those two came in rapid succession, like 45 seconds separated the two, I believe. Just going up there, getting it, I mentioned in the pod and i mentioned on my article on uh, si just a little bit i might have been actually on my blog but i mentioned that he is more of that primary like chase down artist and that's exactly what he did in this game had a pin block beautifully against the backboard and then on another just a drive in i believe it was from buddy healed but he tries to will it in kind of puts his elbows in front of him to create that distance got just evaporated by Sars seven footer 240 pounds not gonna let it slide just a straight rejection so I went into Wednesday's game kind of on a little bit of a momentum there and for some of the others exact same story so I'll go into Wednesday's game in one second but first I want to let you guys know about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook hockey fans DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, with their first deposit, here's what you have to do for the offer: Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down one dollar on any NHL game and win a hundred in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL must be 21 or older in new jersey indiana or pennsylvania only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit and one dollar wager required one per customer restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details and if you have a gambling problem go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER but guys moving right along to wednesday's game Against the Phoenix Suns, the Suns went from being at the top of the NBA food chain to dropping down a little peg due to two straight losses. And for the Thunder, yeah, they had that loss against the Kings, but it wasn't all that bad. You had SGA dropping the 33 piece, Wiggins was looking nasty, and actually Derek Favors was back too, which in some light could be a pretty big positive just getting that size back against a Suns group that has some centers aiden was not playing in this game though so that makes favors even more of a valuable assets on the flip side though for the thunder they arguably took the bigger hits sga was listed in the starting unit and then he just got plucked out game time decision i believe it was an ankle injury that took him out from play but it left a void in the starting unit. So Ty Jerome, former Phoenix Sun, got the call-up. He was the starting point guard for the roster. Lou Dort was there at the 2. Paul Watson Jr. at the 3. Also had Aaron Wiggins at the 4. And rounding it all out, Isaiah Roby was there at the 5. So a lot of different players who don't get that many minutes got to play. The only mainstay was Lou Dort heading in into the contest. And when you began this game, the Phoenix Suns showed why they are a top dog in not just the conference, but the league in general. Take a 33 to 23 lead through one frame here. Had the usuals. Chris Paul was out there, Devin Booker was out there, and the Thunder, they just could not take the blows. To begin everything, now they shot well from the field. They shot 10 of 20, clean cut 50%, but they went 0 of 8 from distance. And then for the Suns, they shot 5 of 10 from distance, 13 of 25 in all. And Devin Booker was already up to a Baker's dozen in terms of points. Aaron Wiggins was looking nasty. He had six points already, but that was about all that you are going to find in the first frame. So going into the second frame, okay see they started to get a little bit of rhythm they kept it in single digits winning a halftime down 60 to 52 and all things considered when you're playing a suns team that yeah they don't have deandre ayton but they have all the pivotal pieces that's a net win in my opinion and you're getting guys in that typically don't get to see any types of play so it makes it even better makes it look good on Wilkes too who had to step in for the second game and you started to see a little bit of stuff gelling for the thunder outscoring the suns by four in the second quarter and then in the third quarter they were able to get even more going in their direction outscoring 29 to 25 and you're thinking this game could go the distance you're going into that fourth frame and it's only a four point deficit for the oklahoma city thunder now in the fourth quarter you started to see some punches being exchanged by the suns they started hitting some threes here and there and it looks like they were going to blow this one into double digits but okc started to chop it right back down they had the game down to six in the mid portion of the fourth quarter however they could not keep it going By the end of the horn, kind of stagnated in the final three, four minutes. As a result, the Phoenix Suns just went on a rampage. They were hitting anything that they looked at, blew this one out of the water. They took the game by 18, 115 to 97. Really doesn't project how the game flow actually was because if it wasn't for that late push and for the dry cold spell uh, that you saw from OKC, this would have been a single digit game. And it just goes to show that these guys are always fighting. This was what it was like last year when SGA was out with plantar fasciitis. They wouldn't hang around. Did they always get wins? No. They lost the majority of them. But you would start to see moments where they were keeping everybody on their heels and for the Phoenix Suns, you know, it's one of the premium teams. If you're able to swing with them for 45 out of the 48 minutes, that's a pat on the back and honestly, that might be seen as a moral victory. That's how I'm going to take it for Wilkes' crew. When you look at the actual game and you look at some of the key moments that I really enjoyed, i like the back like two three minutes of the game and this is when the game was pretty much over and i mentioned it on my twitter um but rob edwards and jalen horde did not get to play during this game they were literally in the second row there were two rows for players i guess due to them having more uh, than usual but they had jalen horde and rob edwards in the second row a gatorade tub was on the right side of rob edwards as well and it looked like they were not going to play. Olivier had his 12 minutes on Tuesday. Scotty Hobson, surprisingly, played a decent amount of minutes. But you never got to see 25 or Jalen Horde kind of got to trip up on his number there. But both of them didn't get to play until the very end. And Wilkes called a timeout with about two minutes left. Threw them out there. They didn't score. Uh, I know Edwards did not score. But it was still good to see them get their opportunity. You know, for some, it's seen as throwing the towel. Lou Dort, he had his three-point streak snapped. I think it was up to 46. But the way that I view it, this was the correct move to put in those guys late. We don't know what Friday and Sunday hold in terms of games. And if it's close, and if guys like Josh Giddy are back, SGA being back, those minutes are going to get taken up quickly and I don't know if they're going to get their opportunity. So, you got to give them time. Luckily, they had the time and their kind of moments uh, happened to be realized. Their dream of playing in the NBA came to fruition, and I'm very excited that that was able to occur for them. Hopefully, we get to see more of them though because, you know, getting 2 minutes in garbage time really is not the best sample size. Going into players that had bigger sample sizes though, player of the game honors goes to Aaron Wiggins once again. He's been a darling in the last three games, averaged 20 points across those. This time he had 22 points and 8 rebounds, 10 of 19 from the field, 1 of 5 from deep. That's not great because he was seen as a catch and shoot piece going into the NBA draft. But he's really just unlocked himself. His confidence is at an all-time high. You're starting to see him just pull up whenever he feels like it. There were a couple heed heat checks he had from distance. And then slashing inside too, man. He is, he's very fun to watch. Just like in Tuesday's game, he was able to haul down some offensive boards, had two of them, and the leaping ability was surprising. I remember looking at his tape for the Terrapins He was in the G League kind of combine, was able to work his way up into the main one. And that's what stood out. He looked like a decent defensive player who could catch, shoot, maybe drive a little bit. But I never thought it would come to this. Like he has taken it to... Uh, where it almost be foolish to not keep him in the starting lineup, and I think I'll have kind of a highlight pod on him in the next week or so, just because whenever Poku and whenever Bays are back, it could tamper with how he's been utilized, but he's been way better than what you're going to find in poku and what you're going to find with bays on a night-to-night basis consistency has been key with aaron wiggins and all you have to do is look at the shot chart he had a streak of hitting i think eight consecutive mid-range shots that's how he started his career with the thunder and his percentages are really bar none on a thunder team that is kind of plagued by inconsistent outings so aaron wiggins once again Proving why he deserves long-term minutes. He dropped 38 minutes in this one. And he's still on that two-way contract. Will he be converted soon? Don't know. Does he deserve it? Absolutely. Just kind of comes down to paychecks and comes down to if OKC believes there is a better option uh, somewhere else for a two-way. Just because the two-way contract is essentially a one-year contract. Just at a clearance price. A very big Price cut uh, when you get that Ty Jerome actually led the game in scoring though that was a very nice surprise after kind of being just relegated to a bench position where sometimes he wasn't even playing when Trey Mann is out there you would see Ty being the fourth option and Teo gets in the mix on occasion it was good to see him kind of spread out his wings he got 35 minutes set a career high with 24 points 9 of 22 from the field, 5 of 6 from the line, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists to bode with those ones. The only real downside to Ty's game uh, came at the 3 point line though. 1 of 6, this is typically a player in Ty Jerome where... He's not going to shank many threes, that was his forte last season, shot above 40% from there, and was hitting limitless range threes. This time he was getting the same looks as usual, they just were not dropping. It's good to see he was able to adjust though, because statistically, Ty Jerome shot better from the field than SGA did in his 33 piece uh, the day beforehand, it just came down to getting those shots at the stripe, Ty Jerome still did a good job, like 5 of 6 is serious business definitely not 14 of 17 though Um, but it was good to see Ty really just be a primary scoring option when typically he doesn't have the ball in his hands and he's kind of just hanging around there never able to post the consistent sat lines he kind of became accustomed to last season moving beyond those two though Lou Dortz this was the worst game we've seen from him all season long There is no uh, two ways about it, honestly. Even his matchup in Devin Booker went off. I mean, he had 38 points on 12 of 14 shooting, 8 of 10 from the line, 6 of 12 from distance. Could not miss. And for Dort, he shot a lowly 3 of 18 and 0 of 7 from distance. Just 9 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. Like I said, the streak is no more. Not the second in command when it comes to Three point streaks in the NBA. Steph Curry is in his own world. He's already been in his own world, right? But the storyline is now gone. So we're going to have to wait a very long time, most likely, uh, to pick up on Lou's streak. Hopefully, he can um, build a new one, though, in the near future because he's always getting those catch and shoot looks from the roster. Paul Watson Jr. also had a lot of catch and shoot opportunities. He had a season-high 11 points in 37 minutes, shot 5 of 9 from the field, but he only went 1 of 5 from deep, and it's probably worth mentioning that they only shot as a team 20%, so it wasn't like certain guys were on and certain were off. Everybody couldn't find the basket here, but with Paul Watson, you know, this was a pivotal game for him, and so was Tuesday's game, because these were his first two starts, and prior to that point, he was out of the rotation. He wasn't on assignment for the blue or anything. He was just hanging around there, practicing with the team. And sometimes you saw the man in street clothes. He gets two extensive runs here and he does get 11, which is great. However, he's not going to be taking inside looks with SGA back. He's not going to be doing that with Josh Giddy back. His job is to sit in the corner and pop threes. He's still shooting in the teens from distance and in the last two games in these starts he shot just one of nine from downtown so that continues the storyline of like is he really that safe i'd like to believe so I'd, i'd like to think he gets more chances too but he's 26 years old and when you have 10 day guys like olivier saar for example who got minutes looked good in them if they get more minutes and this goes for anyone on 10 days here if they look good in those minutes, I think there could be that position battle, like I've talked about since they got signed earlier on in the week. Uh, Isaiah Roby looked good too. I mean, he also has not played. He only played 19 in this game, had 10 points and three boards, four of six from the field, two of three from distance. He's always going to give you those like mediocre sing- like stat lines, like the triple singles where he'll get like seven, six, and three. Great player. Uh, it's just about finding those minutes, and he hasn't been able to get them consistently uh, because of Jeremiah Robinson Earl. That's sort of the main reason. I think when JRE returns, too, it's going to stay that way. It's part of the game. They don't have a lot of minutes to allocate, so someone has to get the short end of the stick. Even though Roby more than deserves it, he gets ousted more often than not. Same goes for Teo. Played 18 minutes, one 4 shooting been a rough rough season for him sophomore season has given him those jitters after being the main minute leader last year hope it, he kind of returns to earth and is able to find his rhythm because he's a very talented passer and he can get those floaters to go when he is really feeling it just was not his day though mike muscala had 13 off the bench in 15 minutes same old same old with him and scotty hobson got to play 18 minutes Four points to his name, hit a pull up mid range, which is really what he is known for, that happened to be his first career NBA points. And it gives you a good story to talk about heading into Friday's game against the New York Knicks. That's going to be a New Year's Eve game for the group. Scotty deserved this. I mean, he's been playing professionally for 10 years, 15 different franchises. You're talking Euroleague, Liga ACB, NBL even playing in China for a little bit. Uh, now he's here, finally getting that opportunity. He didn't look amazing in the minutes, I'm not going to lie. He, ha- he had two turnovers in the stints, and he really wasn't able to create uh, the driving lanes he's kind of gotten used to in the G League. But, you know, for him, finally getting on the stage and getting one to go probably means a lot, just because even before this, he's always been on the cusp of NBA play, Only had three appearances to his name, though, and has never hit that field goal. Gets into this one for game number four and drops four. So now he's averaging one point per game in his career. So there you go. Hopefully, Scotty plays. Hopefully, Olivier gets to play. Rob Edwards and Jalen Horde have not played uh, outside of, obviously, the one minute and 50 seconds they they ended up getting. Um, But, you know, with the Knicks and you also have the Mavs upcoming potentially that could yield some back of the bench minutes i think they um deserve those but with sga back and giddy back it may not be uh, an 100 percent guarantee we'll see though those are two really good games upcoming in the schedule if you guys aren't able to watch the new year's eve game i have you covered on si thunder i will have a game recap shortly after the conclusion of that one and then i'll have a pod of course just like always so make sure to stay tuned for that but other than that though guys that is going to do it for today's episode i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time see ya